Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Awful Podcast. I'm your host Mark Clarence and today the podcast is brought to you by Blue Deer Design. Today on the show we have a special guest, his name is Chris Costello. He is the creator of the typeface Papyrus. Love or hate the typeface, I'm sure you'll love this interview with Chris. Along with Papyrus, Chris has developed many other fonts and these days there's more illustration, medals and coin designs. I really hope you enjoy my chat with Chris Costello. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, well, thank you. It's good to meet you. Yeah, it's great. Well, great to meet you. And obviously, I, I emailed you a couple of weeks ago from the news of the Avatar stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't really sort of know like, who's behind all this design stuff. And you sort of try and look into it a bit more and find out some really interesting stuff. So really excited to have you on the podcast and hope we can talk a bit more about it. Um, but first of all, can we find out actually who you are and go into a bit more of your background and uh, growing up, finding and design? Yeah. Um, well, uh Again, my name is Chris Costello. I've been a graphic designer and illustrator, um, actually, pretty much all my life. It's what I went to school for. Uh, it's what I was really into. And uh, my father uh, actually got me started in it because uh, he actually helped me to... Oh, he's an artist as well, and he, he worked for IBM for a good number of years. Uh, I used to just watch him you know, growing up. He, also, he took a lot of uh, outside courses. Uh, like in drawing and, and painting and, and sign. You see, we did sign painting together. He taught me how to letter. Uh, and I uh, remember doing some uh, work with him. He would have freelance work on the side and he would hire me as a kid. I must have been 11 or 12 years old. Uh, he'd hire me to do illustrations for some brochures. He got me a job with our Little League uh, baseball field in town to to paint all the back, uh, the home run fence. Uh, signs. So, um, yeah, so I, I really uh, was into it. He, he was a big inspiration to me and still is. And uh, I had wanted to become, um, you know, I was, on, I was in high school, you know, going to college, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was either going, I wanted to go into, I wanted to go to Berkeley uh, College of Music because I was bass player. I was into music uh, a lot. And he convinced me, you know, yeah, he'll support, you know, being, being a, a musician, but to make if you want to make a living, uh, you should go into, you know, commercial art design. So, uh, he steered me in uh, the direction of going into, uh, the graphic design as a career and, and doing music on the side, which is pretty much what I did. So, so yeah, um, got a job, uh, in, in graphic design while I was at school. I was like, uh, early twenties and, uh, been at it ever since. So nice. yeah. Um, what, what sort of what was what was sort of uh, was your first job and how did you like manage design? Uh, first full time job uh, was at a a place in Rhinebeck, New York, called uh, Wombat Graphics, and uh, I had uh, well, I was still in college and wanted to find some kind of a part time uh, situation. And uh, some friends of mine knew somebody that worked there, and uh, I was able to secure an interview. Um, and through, through, again, through a friend connection, um, they saw my work and, uh, they liked what they saw. They wanted me to come in and I ended up working part-time while I was in school, still a student. And then when I graduated, uh, they took me on full-time. Awesome. And it was great. Cause it was, uh, I mean, they, they did a lot of, um, print work, a lot of local, you know, Hudson Valley, New York area, um, companies, some nonprofits. So I got a chance to do, the design work, but also any chance I could do uh, illustration and hand lettering 
um, that was also available to me. So it was a great experience. Um, I really got to do a lot of, a lot of stuff uh, with that company. Um, again, until I uh, was lured away by a band uh, that uh, needed a bass player. <laughs> so I ended up quitting the job and, and going on a small tour uh, with, this, with this rock band uh, just because, you know, that's where I was at. So, so yeah, so I, I kind of veered off into the music thing uh, after that. Uh, but then, you know, coming off the tour, uh, uh, it didn't seem like there was anything happening with the band. So I ended up uh, thinking I, I just wanted to, to move out, to actually go to a different, uh, go to another school, kind of uh, finish out uh, or try to finish out my, uh, my four years as a, uh, for my bachelor's program. So I ended up going down to uh, the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale um, and didn't, <laughs> it's interesting history. I did not finish there. I was trying, I was paying my way uh, semester by semester. I uh, got a job. Uh, I took a break from school, got a full-time job with a ad advertising agency doing a lot of the same work as far as print work and illustration and, and hand lettering. And I learned so much at the job there that I decided not to go back to school because I was like, I was on my way. It was like, there's some pretty cool stuff. I was working with art directors, um, and had a vision to become an art director myself. Uh, so it's in Florida that I kind of got started with the freelance, I mean, with the full-time thing, but also did uh, sort of building uh, freelance uh, accounts through, you know, friends, relationships, networking. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something, something people struggle with starting up and that's, that's mm -hmm. cool that you got that, they got that there. Um, with, with having a creative parents and creative father figure, what's that like? Because yeah, something I struggle with, I don't have, and, and something that's obviously quite important to have creative people around you, especially when you're young as well, to, to influence you. I, he was great because uh, it was my father, but also my brother uh, mm. was also into to art and uh, design. I mean, Kevin actually went into a different uh, field with metal, metal working and jewelry. Uh, so there was always something going on with, with our artistic creation. My mother uh, was uh, also just an amazing cook. I mean, she's an artist in that, that degree. So, um, so yeah, there was, there was uh, all kinds of creative stuff going on in the family. Um, so it was, it was inspiring, you know, it was good to, to have that environment. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that people sort of, it sort of gets sucked out of you during like the education system and, and mm -hmm. school, I think growing up, uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to keep a hold of it. Like, mm -hmm. but, but that's good. Yeah. I had, I had good experiences in school too. So, and they were, they were constantly supportive whether I wanted to be a musician or an artist, uh, even though my father, cause he was an artist and, and sent me in that direction. Um, when I wanted to, to, I needed to get a new amplifier or guitar or something. They, uh, they, they fronted the money for me to help me, help me get it. So they were very supportive. Nice. Whatever direction I wanted to go in. So, yeah. So I suppose the big topic is for Pyrus. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> a big topic, huh? <laughs> do, you, do you ever get sick of talking about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, well, no, I mean, it's kind of fun. I mean, it's, it's interesting that how people are so curious about it and the development and, so yeah, I mean, whatever you want to know or, or learn about it or that it hasn't already been said, or if you want to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. So I suppose like, just to cover it, um, uh, what, what was it, where did it come from and, and yeah, what do you think of it now? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, where did it come from? It was my first job 
I was working on, you know, and you know how it is with, when you're working with an agency, an ad agency, uh, we had a number of different, um, you know, different contracts, different clients. Um, they would, there, there'd be some times when we'd be very busy. Yeah. Uh, the whole production studio out there cranking away. And at times we're hanging out doing nothing, you know, and everybody's kind of doing their own thing. We just had to be on hand when the art director comes in and says, you know, Hey, I got this project. Uh, who wants it? Who can work on it? You know? So the downtime to keep myself from going insane, I had to do something. So I was always doing, you know, creating painting. I mean, I, I brought my paints in, I brought my stuff in and a lot of, I've got into one thing where I was just uh, doodling with, 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 with a uh, tight, I brought my whole calligraphy set in and started playing around with different uh, uh, expressions, different uh, gee, uh, brush strokes and different types of pens, just playing around. And as I was doing uh, alphabets, this one just kind of rose to the top. I was seeing this, this thing. Again, it was all done by hand. It was all done just by very spontaneous. I still have the originals, as a matter of fact, uh, the original doodle paper that I worked on. So... Um, but millions later, one time, one day, I'll be on eBay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, but um, yeah, I just saw it. It looked kind of cool. I just, I just took a look at it. And said, hmm, this is interesting. I, I just started. So I, 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 I like the way that the the, the senders and descenders are kind of long and exaggerated, and the brush strokes. You can see the angle of the of the pen and a lot of these characters. And uh, so I just started making different phrases and sentences. Uh, again, a lot of it was inspired by kind of the Middle East, uh, the Bible. Uh, I was thinking of, um, uh, you know, I was actually kind of looking, studying the Bible at the time. I was uh, had interest in, in just trying to find my way as I got out of college, first, first time away from home. Uh, I was seeking God. And uh, so this was in my mind. And so a lot of this stuff kind of just came out. Uh, I was imagining myself in, you know, Israel or Egypt or so, you know, when you let things go, this is what was coming out. So, um, so, um, it just looked cool. It looked, it looked very, uh, even Roman. I mean, some of the stuff I was doing, I, I, it was ancient Rome, ancient Egypt, whatever. It just, it just kind of came through that. So, um, I ended up developing a full character set and what happens with that, you just have to do a, like a, a hundred different A's, a hundred different B's and all, you know, I just had, I laid out my, uh, my, my, my guidelines and just started one after another. And I would pick the best one of each one. And then, you know, taking uh, uh, scans of it. And I eventually came up with a full set and I thought, this is, looks pretty cool. I want to see if I can sell this, you know, uh, and see if anybody's interested in picking it up. So I, uh, I submitted a prototype character set uh, to, I think, 10 different font distributors or, or typeface marketers, and um, I got rejection letters. I mean, all of them, they didn't, they didn't see any way that they could actually use it. And uh, at the time, uh, digital fonts were just uh, kind of coming into, into being, and um, <clears throat> they didn't see it, it being applicable. But one company that did respond was uh, Letraset. And what they did is uh, there, at the time, there was these, uh, I don't know if you've heard of transfer lettering, uh, press yeah. type, you know, the old, you know, literally character by character, you just press them down. <clears throat> they saw a vision for it being used in, in that. So uh, 
they responded. It was cool. I, I still have my rejection letters from all the other companies. <laughs> and it's interesting to look back at all those other companies are, are gone, you know, <laughs> um, but they had, they didn't have the vision that Letraset had, which ultimately this, this font kind of made its way into the monotype library. Um, but uh, they, they saw something there. The initial um, uh, design was very feathery. It was really light. Um, very thin so they, they for the sake of actual production or reproduction they wanted me to go back and thicken things up they had a couple suggestions in order to for them to consider putting it on with their line of fonts um, but uh, after you know working with their suggestions kind of thickening it up and, and making it they wanted it to the word was marketing they wanted to be able to market it and they didn't think it was at a, a a place where it could uh, it could happen with my initial design. So I reworked it a bit, sent it back, and, and they, they took it. So then we went through the process of, um, uh, you know, they, they, what they needed. They needed all these uh, characters blown up, you know, to, uh, I don't know, it's probably like uh, maybe four by six cards or something like that is what I did. So I drew every character. <clears throat> I enlarged the original doodles that I had selected, and then I, I just hand tooled every character. So it took me all summer to do that. Uh, but then I, I sent them uh, original artwork that they went and they scanned every single piece in. And then they, they created it into this, uh, uh, these uh, different sizes of um, press type lettering. And then ultimately it made its way into uh, uh, digital fonts. So, yeah. so that, was, that was in the 80s, mid 80s or so. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I was... yeah. How it, how it changed like the pro even the process of making it from from now you could use a software or, or use yeah well the thing is, i mean i've done a number of other fonts too and uh now i mean i was working with um uh font font lab for a while and a typographer or i'm not typographer uh, fontographer right. which is the one i was really into and um i actually made um a couple other fonts using that uh that software and oh it was, it was so much easier you know yeah uh yeah so it was like night and day but it was kind of cool to be able to have access to the software that allowed me to actually create a couple more fonts but um papyrus was far and above everything else i mean as far as popularity was because um i mean it was able to because of the the marketing um <clears throat> abilities of i mean just signing the rights over letting a company decide you know, like like a uh, letter set um they were able to market it throughout the world and that just had a greater reach. So, yeah. That must be cool. Like seeing your work in a lot of places now, or, or even back then, like having this huge company come and take it. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like, uh, like I got signed to a major label or so I felt like a rock star kind of thing, you know, like a musician, like got his album. Uh, that's what was the feeling because, um, you know, we worked out a royalty payment situation, uh, and, uh, it was just, yeah, I mean, for coming out of school, it was like, man, I felt like this is amazing. It was kind of, what a, what a great honor. So, so, yeah. And what was like, what was graphic design like back in the 90s, 80s, 90s and early um, Well, it's, what, what was it? Uh, there was a lot more stuff that was done by hand. Uh, like some of the, um, our, our layouts, our comps, our presentations were all, uh, we did them by mark, using marker. And literally had to illustrate an advertisement, had to illustrate uh, a brochure design with using colored markers. Um, we even took classes to, to learn marker art, you know, 
Um, so a lot of the, it, it was, it was really cool because it was just as a designer, you got to do create artwork. You got to, to play with the uh, real colors and inks and, and so, um, but then, um, you know, as, uh, 1984, the whole Mac thing came through and then by the early nineties, uh, mid nineties, the, the computer, uh, hardware and the software came to, uh, you know, such an advanced state that I, I had kind of fought the idea of converting to, uh, you know, working with your hands and working with pen and paper and pencil and ink to computer graphics. It was just a hard thing for a lot of designers at the time to, to veer into because, uh, originally the, the computer de design computer rendered artwork was pretty lame. It was just like pixelated and just not finished. It wasn't, I feel it wasn't really ready for market, but, uh, but in the eighties, uh, a lot of that look was, was actually taken on as a design style. Mm pixelization, uh, not completely rendered artwork. It, was, it kind of took on a style of its own. Um, but anyway, um, I finally got into it uh, in the mid nineties when I saw the speed of the computers, the new, um, uh, I'm not sure what the Macs were at the time, um, but there was a whole new line of Macs coming out that were really fast at the time. Um, and the, uh, you know, the software was, was great. I mean, I, I started out with PageMaker and then sh shifted to Quark Express and then to InDesign. Um, but by the late 90s, uh, you're, you're creating some great stuff so fast. Yeah. Uh, we, we stopped doing um, the hand-rendered comps and, and sketches. And it was all, you could basically print out a, a, a brochure idea that looked like the real thing. So, um, yeah, by the late 90s, I was sold on it. So... Yeah. Do you think designers these days, especially young designers, are missing the trick? Like they don't sketch as much, and sometimes never like, don't even sketch at all. And that's that's quite worrying in some cases. Yeah. Um, well, it's the thing is, you don't really need to 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 do design, but it really helps. Um, and uh, I mean, again, that's with the training that I had when I when I f first went to college. The, you had to know how to draw to be an art director. You know, you have to know how to note, how to draw to, to create and produce designs. So, um, the, the, I guess the, the, the thing is that these days, I guess, uh, you know, there, there's a thing like, you know, anybody with a computer can create and can do artwork now, right? Because uh, of all the, the ease of uh, the computer programs and the, the, the design software and everything. Uh, so it did kind of dumb down and, I don't know. What's a better word for it? Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Anyone can. You know, some maybe less qualified or, or competent designers were now designing stuff. Uh, yeah. It was unfortunate that there was a lot of bad work out there because everybody had access to the same software that pros did. You know, so it was like this mix of, this, you know, you had the, the quality professional work, but you also had, you know, very unprofessional uh amateur stuff out there in the same playing field and it was just a weird time um but i think to you know these days it's, it's, i think that's past and i think you're we're able to see some amazing um graphic design work and, and stuff that was just not possible uh before these uh applications and the speed of these computers um today it's just i, I think it's great there's just so much more stuff you can do now that you couldn't do that yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I always think, would I have, would I have been a graphic designer if, like, even in the 60s, 70s, like, really early days of, 
like sort of scanning things in and, and hand cutting things and like these huge logos they have to draw out two meters wide so you can scan it in and make it different sizes i mean I, i'm not sure i would it's just a lot of a lot of work goes into one project then and now you can you've got vector files you got this and that and yeah. Oh yeah, everything happens so fast. I think that would, would, would lure me into design in the first place was because of all that that hands-on stuff. You know, you could like yeah. draw stuff and, and build three-dimensional uh, prototypes out of cardboard and paper. Um, that's what brought me into it. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a cool, you know, there was a, a, a mix of, I could be an illustrator and a designer at the same time. I mean, that was the the thing I enjoyed about it most. Yeah. So, so if you had to redo uh, Papyrus now, would you, what would you change about it? And if, if anything? Um, I, uh, well, you know, believe it or not, I actually do. I have started working on a, uh, a, a cleaned up version without all the mixing. And I have it on my own computer. I actually have a, a complete set of, it's a very cleaned up version. Uh, I don't know when I did it. I, I spent some a lot of time on it, uh, just kind of redrawing all the pieces. So I have a cleaned up version, um, but it's not totally finished. It doesn't have all of the, uh, the all the characters, but it's it's functional and it works. And I only did that because so many people had asked for it. Yeah. I get emails constantly. It's like, do you have a cleaned up version of Papyrus? I'd love to, you know, because I've seen even work out there. You can tell when some designer has actually. Uh, cleaned up the font. It's like, oh, that's papyrus, but somebody retooled it. And yeah, so I went ahead and did it. Um, so it's a work in progress at this point because I, uh, the papyrus is actually owned by Monotype right now. So I don't have the rights to it. I sold them off. So I can't like um, uh, reproduce the font. Um, actually, what I'm saying is this, I can't do this on my own. I, they still own the rights to the kind of intellectual property of uh, the, the letter form. So, but I, uh, they were okay with me uh, recreating it, getting this new version uh, that I would work with them to actually put it on the market. Uh, and they came back uh, with some suggestions uh, and some new characters that uh, they'd like me to work on. So, but um, I was involved with that and kind of was going to bring that to market. And then that's when I got involved uh, in coin design and I started doing some contract work with the United States Mint. And then that, you know, the, the, the font project kind of went on, off to the side because I ended up getting into uh, that, you know, the, the, the coin design work, which really took uh, a lot of my energy and just a lot of my passion. That's what I was really into at the time. And I'm still, you know, still doing that as well. So, yeah, I went through periods of, okay, I'll do this for a while. And then I, I did, don't quite finish it. And it's off to the side and, you know, I'll get back to it, but now I'm onto something else. So I think that's what the, what I love about this field is that there are so many avenues you can pursue. There's so many things you can do with visual communication that, uh, it just, it's, it's always exciting. You know, it's like every season of life, you get something new that you can go after. So. I definitely yeah. want to talk about the coin design and the other stuff you do, but one last <laughs> question, that's right about papyrus, um, is, is like, why, why do you think there is such, so much, like, so much stigma around it? Why do you think there's this bad rap that it gets? Um, because it's everywhere. And like I said, <clears throat> when, um, 
you know, but it gets in the hands of, uh, you know, people who are, don't have the design training or the sense, you know, the sensitivity to, to typography and, and what's, what works and what doesn't, um, they can just apply it to anything. So really what happened was, um, again, because I don't own the rights to the, to the, uh, the, the, the uh, font software. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think it was, uh, ITC. I'm not sure who owned it at the time. All these type foundries did they kind of merged into what is now monotype. Uh, but before it was, it was ITC international typeface corporation and all during the history of the, changes of, of companies and, and names. And I, I got the notices about how, you know, the, my royalty payments will be coming from this company and not that one. And if there's a merger. So I, I followed the history of, of monotype, which was, was pretty interesting in itself. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got, I got, I trailed off there. What were we talking about? <laughs> yeah. It just, just uh, the reason why it was, why, oh, why, okay. Why it was, uh, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> um, so monotype had decided to, uh, uh, in, I guess they approached Apple and Microsoft, both, uh, uh, um, operating systems with, uh, they were, they were wanted to include papyrus as an, an artsy font in the types type libraries of both Apple and, and Microsoft. So, um, I, uh, was informed of what was going on and, and Apple and Microsoft both agreed to, and to include it. So there was a, you know, a, an additional royalty payment for that agreement. Uh, but what ended up happening is before, before uh, Apple and, and, uh, and um, Microsoft took it on, uh, you can only, you had to buy the font. You had to, you know, it's like a, a very, it's just like a specialty kind of headline. Um, it was a novelty font. It was like something that was like, Oh, you know, you got this obscure, feeling or emotional thing you want to convey, you know, use papyrus for that or, or whatever. But, um, but because it now is on every computer in the world, yeah, anybody can access it. Anybody that says, Oh, that's a pretty artsy, unique font. Let me use that for my construction logo, you know, or, you know, whatever. It's a church newsletters. It turns up uh, a lot of yoga spas, health food you know so but again some professional designers used it for you know professional purposes and, and appropriate reasons and yeah and then the others that just throw it on everything and anything and then it's like it was it was like the go-to artsy font that everybody used to be different but now it's like you see it everywhere uh, i think graphic designers who who know you know, and I totally understand this. It's like, you just, you know, you don't use papyrus for everything and anything, but designers know that I might, was my intention to have it used very sparingly. It had, it didn't have a broad uh, appeal. I didn't think it wasn't designed for that, but like comic sans was designed for a specific purpose, but yet everybody, because comic sans is on every computer in the world too. People think, Oh, what a cool, fun font. I'll use that for, for my <laughs> presentation or my PowerPoint or whatever, you know? So, yeah. So, uh, so that, that point of being freely available. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's, that's really it. It's like, it's, it's available to whoever and there's no discretion anymore. So it's unfortunate because I, I mean, I believe, uh, I, I really, I put a lot into designing the font. It's not a bad, 
I, I will defend it. It's not a bad font at all. It's, it's, I yeah. think it's pretty unique. There's nothing like it. Uh, it's been imitated and uh, pirated, um, redrawn. It's got a, a specific appeal to it, but there was a lot of attention paid to, you know, kerning, interlocking, words, phrases, a lot of work put into it. Um, but the thing I like about it is it, it is unique and um, it's got a special purpose, but it's, in some respects, it's a little unfortunate that it's, it's gotten this bad rap, but in other respects, it's kind of fun to talk about the story. You know, it's like people are interested in it. And so, Absolutely. so yeah. Would you really, uh, sort of reverse, if you could, would you reverse the fact that graphic design is so widely available? Would you, would you just try and keep it niche? Uh, that's a good question. <clears throat> well, you know, I think, um, you know, I guess true professional graphic design is still a niche because there's, right. I think only, uh, if you, if you're educated in it and you have the passion for it and you get it or the scent, not necessarily, you can have a natural sense for design. Um, so it is a niche and, and people who know design will, will hire the right designers that they know, you know, what they're, what they're looking for. They know who's going to get the job done. You can see, you can see it. Um, so I think that niche is, niche is still there. Uh, for everybody, you know, that can, can do whatever they want on publisher and, and whatever, uh, PowerPoint. Eh, I mean, that's always going to be there, I guess. Um, I think uh, somebody with a designer's eye, you can definitely distinguish what is, is well-designed and what's uh, amateur. And that's just the way it is. That's, that's just something that has to be accepted right now, so. Yeah, fair enough. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so you obviously, moving away from the virus questions, uh, you do obviously like a lot of illustrations, or drawings, and I was blown away by some of the houses and, and some of the, the cityscapes you do. And, and oh, thank you. Android. That was incredible detail. And, uh, and then obviously you've done illustrated uh, encyclopedias and and the coins as well, which is fascinating for me. I always loved the design of coins, and I when I found out you did that as well, I thought, wow, this is this is something completely different to what I thought you would. I thought you'd be more into typography, but that's incredible. Um, so what what got you into coin design and the illustration of them? Uh, well, I've been a actually a coin a coin collector for since I was a kid, and I, I loved the uh, idea of being able to you know collect these little pieces of metal, which, well, for one thing, they're old, and to be able to to touch something like I've got a, a few old Roman and Greek coins, two thousand years old, just to be able to have to be able to touch that, it's like you're you got that connection with history. But the thing about coins is um, they encompass so much of uh, just everything that I'm interested in. There's artwork, there's history, there's economics, uh, there's geography, um, you know, different languages, there's culture. A lot of that is all represented on, on a nation's coins. Um, so, and, and just to, to be able to feel it and hold it, uh, the real little pieces of artwork that, you know, were designed and, and produced 100 years ago, it's like, it's like you have your own little museum, you know, it's a miniature museum, a sculpture museum. Um, so I had, I, I was just, I had that fascination with coins, currency. Um, and uh, I, it never occurred to me that it took an, you need, it took an artist, an artist's hand was actually involved in, in making these little things, you know? <laughs> um, but I, uh, I never th thought much about it until, you know, actually years, years ago, I, I thought, man, wouldn't it be great to design a coin? You know, to I see this is it takes artwork to to do this. I would love to be able to do that. 
but I had no idea that it was something that people did. And I didn't know who does that. You know, it's, it's such a, a, a talk about a small segment of uh, the profession. So, but I, I uh, actually, my mom, my mother informed me that there was a call for artists uh, put out by the United States Mint uh, back in 2004, I believe it was. And I was really excited about it because like, I thought, wow, this is an opportunity for an artist to, to actually make a coin. So, so I, uh, I pulled together my work and um, submitted, uh, you know, they had to, it was a mission statement and all kinds of things I had to pull together for a, pre, for a presentation, but I sent it off. To, to apply for this first call for the uh, artistic infusion program, which is what it was called when it was first initiated, and uh, and I wasn't accepted into the program. So um, so it was 2004. Um, so you know I was a little disappointed, but you know, I wasn't sure. I wasn't really expecting like I would make it anyway, because you know it's like it seems like a dream come true. So. So whatever, I let it go and, um, you know, just proceeded. And again, it was, it was, it took another seven years before, uh, they had another call, which I found out late in the game because, um, what got me interested again was I, I took a visit to, with our family down to Puerto Rico and San Juan. And, uh, I noticed in change, this was 2009. I noticed in change that there were these like really cool looking different designs on the backs of our pennies, uh, in 2009. And there was also a Puerto Rican quarter design uh, that I'd never seen before. So I wasn't sure what this was. So I, I went back and I checked on the, the, the U.S. Mint website. And it turns out that they had designed, made four different designs in the back of the penny that that's commemorated uh, the uh, birth of Abraham Lincoln. And I was like, really? This is great. I've never seen these new fresh designs coming out from American coinage. And there was also a new uh, quarter uh, honoring uh, Puerto Rico at the time. So, um, and then I just by hap, I just accidentally uh, discovered that there was another call for artists uh, on the U.S. Mint's website. And I said, oh, here's another one, seven years later. But I only had two weeks to pull it together because <laughs> the deadline for submissions was something like, I think it was uh, uh, April 1st, and I had two weeks. So I had to, I scrambled to, to put a presentation together, and I had to design two coins as well as a prototype or as a part of the application process. So I put, put an essay together, designed the coins, you know, did everything. And again, on top of all the other work I was, I was doing. So I got it in by the deadline um, and I let it go. I wasn't sure. I, I figured, well, maybe I'll, it'll, I don't know if I'll be passed by again, but I figured I'd give it a shot. But um, on May 1st, when they made the decisions, I got the call from the U S Met that they said, uh, you know, congratulations. You're I'd like to have you uh, come on board with the, uh, uh, artistic infusion program and uh, awesome. so I was like really excited and the first thing I did was I called my mother because she was the one who was very excited about me uh, uh, when she announced uh, or when she sent me the article the call for the first uh, uh, call for artists so um, so yeah so that was 2010 uh, and I've been with the the program ever since and it's been a uh, kind of a cool progression from really not knowing what I was doing when submitting my first designs to uh, getting a better idea of what was expected um, and the, the learning the, the, the whole process and the review boards and just getting familiar with uh, the people that I would be working with and the, the demands of each program. Um, I, I believe I got my first coin design selected uh, for uh, the 2000, yeah, 2013. It was a, a Girl Scout 
uh, Girl Scouts of America uh, commemorative. Um, and then uh, each, you know, each uh, coin program has a specific challenge and it's from there, I think once I got into the groove, I started getting more uh, coin designs selected because um, as a part of the, the, the process is uh, when they call for, uh, uh, when there's a program, coin program uh, that's ready, uh, they, there's a number of different artists that submit designs for the same program. Uh, so it's like a competition. Uh, friendly competition because it's a great group of people that uh, we all get to kind of know each other and, and meet together maybe every two years or so for a symposium. Um, but we um, we essentially compete for the the, the one design that, that uh, gets chosen uh, to be put on the coin. So, um, so yeah. That's interesting because a lot of a lot of designers obviously sort of against the design competitions and, and that sort of thing. But I, I presume, do you all get paid or, or is it? Yeah, um, I mean it's not a, an official like open competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's we're essentially because there's, there's a group. It's a group uh, of uh, they're contract artists. It's like a separate pool yeah. of uh, uh, citizens that don't that are not full time staff. We're we're all contractors. So it's just the nature of the uh, the, the program is that they'll select a few artists to work on the same program. Um, and when we're selected to work on it, yes, as a part of the, the program, we're, uh, we are paid for the designs that are submitted. And, uh, and then once, uh, if you get selected, if your design gets selected, you're paid an additional bonus, uh, uh, which is, um, it's all public information on the website. But, uh, um, yeah, so it's, a, it's, it's uh, a very good kind of payment structure considering the work that needs to be done because it's, it really pulls out the best of you. Yeah. Um, I had the uh, former uh, chief engraver tell me that um, this is going to be the most challenging part of your career is, is working with the U S mint because they're very, the standards are very high uh, and there's a, some high expectations. Um, and I, I took that like, wow, it's, and he, he was, he was right. Uh, it was uh, John Mercanti was uh, amazing kind of teacher and mentor as well. He was one of the first uh, uh, people that I worked with at the Mint, and he really guided me through the whole process. Uh, but he said, this is tough, man. And he critiqued my work in the, in the very beginning, and, and I appreciate his, uh, his directness, because it really steered me towards uh, uh, the way that, or towards a, um, what I actually needed to be doing and what was expected. So, so that by the end of this first project that I worked with, he was pretty happy with what I submitted. Awesome. Uh, it took the realization that this is tough, man. This is not easy to, to, to not, I mean, just to, to, to put out your most excellent work and as far as design and illustration, it has to be rendered properly. Um, it goes through so many different reviews from so many different people with different opinions. And it's like a gauntlet before it gets to the tread, the secretary of treasury who ultimately approves the final design. So is that some of the difficulties? Like obviously, going around these different people and, and sort of being judged so many times. What, what sort of other stuff are there? I imagine there's a, I imagine there's a lot of difficulties when it comes to engraving it and, and getting it from the sketch to the engraving bit. But like, what do you have to take into consideration? Yeah, there, there are a lot of considerations that we kind of learn um, uh, how to to illustrate the drawing so that it can be clearly interpreted by the engraver as to what's a raised surface and what is, what is a, a setback. Um, I mean, these are low relief sculptures. So 
um, <clears throat> that's a whole challenge in itself doing bas relief because you're you're taking three dimension and making the illusion that it's still three dimension in a, in a very thin uh, uh, space. So um, we have to really think in terms of what is the engraver, how's the engraver gonna interpret this, this white uh, space here? Is this gonna clearly indicate that that's a highlight and that's gonna be a shine and that's gonna be like a more raised, whereas the, the shadows, which there aren't many, but the darker areas are the, gonna be more the recessed uh, part of the, of the sculpture. Um, I, I had a little bit of a hard time trying to understand that process. So what really helped me was, was learning how to sculpt myself. Well, so I started, you know, I, 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 wanted, I, I found it very interesting too, because I, I started working with clay relief sculpture and then kind of uh, sculpting with, with plaster. And I took a number of workshops and uh, just to learn the process. And uh, not only did it help me understand the, what uh, the engravers, the challenges that they have uh, when, they're, when they're trying to interpret our two-dimensional drawings. Uh, I found it fascinating. I just love the way I'm drawing in 3D, uh, you know, but working with your hands and, and sculpting tools. Uh, it's just, it's another dimension. It's like, a, like another undiscovered art form, for me anyway, uh, that I thought, I love this. This is really... Uh, um, rewarding and, and therapeutic and <laughs> so just got I mean I just got back from a couple months ago I was down at the uh, Brook Green Gardens in South Carolina here in the, uh, I had a, a really great sculpture workshop uh, led by one of the uh, actually one of the reviewers um, uh, on the what's called the Citizens Coinage Advisory Committee is a really world-renowned sculptor Heidi Waswee and she she weighs in on some of the uh, the, the coin designs and the direction and the comments, but she's also an amazing sculptor. And I was able to actually spend some time with her, uh, learning some more of the, the, the just the, the finer points of, you know, uh, what is expected of, of sculpting. And um, it was, it, again, it's just taking it to, to another level that I haven't experienced before. So yeah, so Must I definitely love that part of it. Yeah, that, that was, again, like going back to the point of people these days, designers these days tend not to, Sort of move out of that online screen, the, the screen sort of phase. So, mm -hmm. these, these well, yeah, I think. I mean, that's what I wanted to. I still love the the tactile, yeah, touch play, touching the the plaster. Um, so, but they, you know, the 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 three D sculpting is also um, it is available through three uh, D modeling software. So uh, yeah, uh, everybody at the, that's on staff at the Mint also does the traditional, um, you know, plaster sculpt sculpts clay sculpture but there's also they work with 3d modeling software as well which has a, the the, the uh, it emulates the whole uh, sculpting process uh so that's another thing that i find exciting and, and interesting that i want to explore as well as the 3d uh, sculpting on the computer with the tablet and everything so that's my next uh i guess exploration so to speak <laughs> awesome yeah well when they're doing the, the coins and the sculpts and the coins out, do they, do they work at the really small size, the actual finished size, or do they work in a, in a bigger format? It's larger format. <clears throat> we, uh, we do the coins, the drawings, um, we do them like eight inch, eight inch, uh, right. a circle that's eight inch wide, eight inches in diameter. And, uh, and they also work in the sculpt, uh, that same 
uh, uh, size. So um, that oversized um, sculpture is then reduced. It used to be through a lathe uh, process, an actual mechanical process, uh, but now it's done digitally with um, uh, just scanning. They have an amazing uh, scanning process when you see, uh, I mean, we were able to uh, uh, see the, the kind of the backstage um, look at the process and the production of it. And uh, yeah, it's all digital now. They, they scan the, uh, the plaster model uh, digitally and it's all reduced. So yeah, it's nothing is actually uh, done exact size. Although, you know, 150 years ago, they had like jewelers <laughs> essentially engraving the dies by hand at actual size. So yeah. that's, that's another kind of thing I, I learned at one of the workshop I took last uh, year, the traditional uh, die engraving, which again, familiarized myself with the whole coin design process, but that's how they did it for centuries. It's crazy, isn't it? I, thinking back then, uh, they must have all done, done them all by hand and done, just, how they, each coin must come out a little bit differently and it's, mm -hmm. it's fun. That's fun yeah, to see. The dies will wear out, yeah. but you have to reproduce an exact replica of the same size. So yeah, some of the ancient early, earlier coins will vary in design because they actually had to be retooled. Yeah, you know. Crazy. Uh, are there anything, anything else to do with coins like that you find fascinating or, or you just you really like doing or any interesting points about the process? <coughs> yeah, I think um, <clears throat> the thing I like about the, the process itself is uh, the research. Um, each program, each commemorative or, or medal or whatever, there's a big story behind it. And uh, so you got to do a lot of the, a lot of research um, on the, the subject matter. Um, and it can be anything related to like a history subject, history theme, <clears throat> or <clears throat> contemporary cultural theme. It all depends on the, on the coin. Um, but it's just what I learned from it all. And then I think it, what's, what's really cool is the challenge to take a story, you get a feel of what, all right, here's a narrative, uh, something that needs to be uh, condensed into a, a small visual. This, you know, it's like an icon. You, it's really, it, it challenges your, um, uh, your mind <laughs> to really, it, 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 you have to think about how do I take all these words and make them into a, one memorable image that says it all, that says everything that this, you know, five paragraph essay says. Uh, so I think that's the, the, the challenge that I think find, that I find it enjoyable is that when <clears throat> a design is successful, uh, it, it, it makes it through uh, the review process. What it says is that, okay, that one worked, you know, that icon, that, that brought the message clear and quick that, you know, that's what this theme means. You know, it's, it's to be able to, to succeed in that is, is, uh, is pretty rewarding. Yeah. I suppose in that, in that sense, there's a lot of uh, similarities between logo design and coin design. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Actually, a lot of the, a lot of the same methodologies, it's the same exact process. When you think about branding, yeah. Uh, and or a specific uh, uh, idea or story that a company wants to put out with their simple logo. Uh, it's the same exact process. I mean, you're, you're taking uh, <clears throat> a message and making it into a concise image that that nails it. You know, it's, somebody looks at that and they say, "Okay, that means that," 
and I get it. Yeah. So same exact thing. That's why I, I really enjoy uh, logo designs as well. You know. Uh, so. Yeah. So, so what, you do all of these different things, all of these different creative endeavors. Is that how you stay creatively sort of alive? Because there's a lot, there's, there's a sense of creativity being a muscle and be, keep on using it and, and, uh, and you'll, you'll get more creative and you'll get stronger and you'll have quicker ideas and, and everything will be a bit slicker. Is that, is that a way of you staying on, on top of it all? Oh yeah. Are you, are you talking about specifically the coin designs? No, just, just everything, like, everything you do, like staying creative. Oh yeah. Honestly, for me, it's just any new thing I can do. Uh, I'm, I'm into it, you know. Uh, like, and it, it seems like I'm just going through phases. Like, you're, you like the, you're impressed with the, the buildings and the yeah, yeah. cityscapes. I, and I noticed that when I was on your side, I was looking at your, what you have behind you there. Oh. Uh, I love your, your illustrations, and it's like, oh yeah, he does cityscapes too. It's kind of cool. Um, there was a period when I went, I, I did work for travel brochure, travel agencies, and. Uh, um, so they, they asked for pen and ink, uh, drawings, um, and, uh, with my style, I, there was a, there was a time when I wanted to become an architect. Uh, but I think what swayed me away was there was a lot of engineering involved and a lot of physics and I wasn't that well versed or, or even had the interest in math and, you know, that kind of was more, you know, uh, more on the creative chaotic side. So I, I didn't pursue that as a profession, but I love buildings and I love uh, structures and cities and landscapes, uh, man-made landscapes. But uh, I mean, I'm talking like historic landscapes. And uh, so for a period, I, I was just into buildings to the point where uh, I even wanted to teach a class on architectural rendering. Um, and uh, actually I was, I was on the, the I was set up for, uh, now that I think about it, yeah, I was set up for, uh, to do a class, a summer class at, a, at one of the colleges here, uh, doing architectural uh, rendering uh, outdoors, um, but I uh, didn't get enough people to sign up for it. So I said, oh, that's unfortunate. You know, it's not that many people are inter interested or whatever, but, but anyway, I was that much into it. But that was at a phase. I was looking through some of the, the, the work that I do. I still, I mean, I, I, what, I did, a, I did a, some, uh, uh, some work for a, uh, a company in Seattle uh, and I still do some house portraits and some other things. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I still love the, the architectural thing, but I, I did a lot of it, you know, say maybe 15 years ago, not so much now because I'm now into, you know, the, the coins and metals, uh, and even the sculpting. Um, I don't know the thing that really is challenging me now and I'm looking to get more interested in is, is the, uh, the digital 3d sculpting. Um, so, man, for, for one period, early 2000s, I was all about web design. And I was, that's all I did. Um, and, it, you know, before that, it was typography and, and font designs. Uh, it's just like, I don't know, there's, there's this, these periods of things. And then I, not that I lose interest, but I just something else interests me that yeah. I'm, oh, let me try this and let me try that. Yeah. So that's why I love this field so much. Because uh, there's so many ways to um, to apply your abilities to again to do do uh, visual communications. There's so many avenues to yeah. uh, to create visuals. You know, I urge to find something new and, and just keep creating. And it's it's quite it's good because it's quite fluid. You can you can if you understand graphic design, you sort of understand the I don't know maybe the base values of of maybe sort of architecture or structures or. Um, mm -hmm 
coin creation or yeah just it's, it's sort of quite fluid in, in creative fields that's cool uh so the, well, what i appreciate um, you, i was going to say you mentioned graphic design yeah using it then coin design um designing coins requires everything uh, you have to have you know mastery of typography type design uh layout and composition um graphic design and also illustration these these renderings have to be illustrated clearly and beautifully so that they can be translated into a beautiful um you know actually full fully rendered sculpture so it kind of the coin design thing kind of encompasses everything that i've ever done that's good and you know getting into various subject matters i mean doing military metals is, is something I, I love because i it's just military hardware is something i've always been interested in jets airplanes tanks uh, um the history of it all um so there's all kinds of themes that are they just turn out to be incredibly interesting to draw you know so. yeah i was always interested in drawing fire engines when i was a kid <laughs> oh, really? yeah I, I was into trains drawing trains airplanes anything any transportation things fire i was into fire <laughs> engines for a while too so, anything that, that just had you know cool mechanics about them that were different yeah so, absolutely mm -hmm. um, the last three questions i ask everyone well first of all what is your best piece of advice for, for young amateurs and people getting into design mm -hmm. um best piece just be open to to uh whatever creative challenges uh, are offered through a job or or because uh, there are again there's so many options out there um i would say keep in touch with or keep really current with uh, technological advances in, in um, uh, design software uh, and gee, I mean, that's something that I kind of lost a little bit um, uh, as far as my interests. I kind of, I'm still into the hands-on thing, um, but um, you know, uh, st stay on top of it with uh, technological advances, anything that's, that's done, you know, mobile, um, graphic design for uh, uh, interfaces for mobile devices. Uh, uh, I think that's really as far as the direction. I, I, I was literally, um, I met with a friend this morning who uh, was considering, uh, you know, going into business for himself. And uh, the thing that really uh, I was encouraging him to really pursue is, is the, just the online presence that you're, you're uh, working with social media to really put yourself out there. It's a, it's an essential part of, networking um it, it's not going to replace face-to-face -face, uh, uh kind of getting with people but it is a way to get yourself out there and really connect with people um throughout the world really it's like the limit it's it's unlimited uh i mean i think just by how you connected with me I, here i am talking as if we're at a you know coffee shop or whatever you can do that now it's like it's, it's just amazing so um just keep up with with uh digital design um and uh, but be open to to whatever i mean there's again you just start out as a production artist or a, uh, there's there's so many ways to to break into the field just uh gut it out for a while if it's not exactly what you're into uh it, it'll become that it's like the more experience you get in any level of design or production uh you just have to kind of you know learn the learn the ropes for a while take Take the abuse, or, or until you, you until you find your your groove, 
Uh, it just takes some time. Just be patient. If you're not doing what you want to do at this point, um, you know, just don't give up. If you really love design, um, it's, it's, it, it can offer a lifetime of reward. Um, so, and again, because there's so many options, there's so many different companies doing so many different types of design. Um, man, it's a great field to be in. So if you get discouraged about anything, just move on. There are so many opportunities out there. Uh, just don't give up. This is your thing. Just keep going. Keep going. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, what is your best purchase under a hundred dollars? Best purchase on, under a hundred dollars. Oh man. That's, that's kind of like off from the left field. Under a hundred dollars. I don't know. What a question. <laughs> uh, Oh man, if I had some time to figure this one out. I should have asked. Um, I would have to say nah, it'd have to be uh, a restaurant meal or something. Yeah, yeah <laughs> That's what it comes to mind is, is food. Probably my best purchases uh, and most rewarding um, would have to be a, a well enjoyed uh, dinner with my wife. Can be done for under $100. Love it. So that's yeah. an experience. Any. An experience uh, that's under a hundred dollars is is uh, it's priceless. Yeah, absolutely. I always say experiences. I think that's yeah. perfect. Uh, finally, how do you want to be remembered? Uh, <clears throat> good question. Again, um, I think well, it's it's interesting that with coins, they're going to last way 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 longer than than I will. Um, so uh, I, I just want to be remembered for doing the, the best that I can with my uh, God-given talents and uh, that I had a, just a positive uh, impact on people. Um, and it was, it was an, insp an inspiration to them. I, I would say maybe as I kind of zero in on this question, um, no matter how old you are uh, as you advance in your career, there's always new things to discover. So. Uh, I would want to inspire people to, no matter what age you are, uh, you can uh, achieve your dream if you really go after it and, and do what it takes and, and take the risks. Um, and um, it can be done. I, I, I don't want to get into a situation where I'm, I want to retire and, and just kind of, you know, let, let, let life just kind of play out. Um, I would hope to inspire people to uh, continue to discover new things about your craft, no matter how old you get. Amazing. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Well, hey, thank you. It's good to talk with you. All right. Uh, where, where can people say hello to you and find you if, if they want to get in touch? Oh, um, why don't they just go to uh, Chris Costello uh, dot design. Awesome. Yeah. Chris Costello dot design. That's everything's there. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Take care, Mike. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave a review on iTunes. You can also win a poster by doing that. Christmas giveaway at 100 episodes. We're giving away one poster of the Matt Roth Explodier Design Creative Waffle poster. Also, we'll be introducing the Creative Waffle Club soon, uh, where you get your pin badge, and that will be coming out very shortly, a couple of weeks hopefully. But for now, a review would be absolutely fantastic, either on iTunes or just in the comments on YouTube. Thank you very much for listening to another episode and I'll see you in the next one.